Did you ever see those clickbait lists online? They're usually titled 101 Films You Have to See Before You Die. They pop up every once in a while. But tell the truth. How many of them have you actually seen? These are movies so ingrained in the fabric of modern pop culture that you'd be forgiven for thinking that you had actually seen them. So join me, Sam Wraith. And me, Joel Green, as each week we break down and review these films from zany cult classics to what many describe as cinematic masterpieces. This is 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen. Hello and welcome to another episode of the 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen podcast. My name is Sam, a self-confessed cinephile who currently works in the film and television industry. I even went to university to study film and TV. The only issue is, I've not seen many films. My name's Joel. I enjoy film and TV a lot. I do have pretty strong opinions when it comes to both film and TV, which often my friend group disagree with. I always think I'm pretty justified in my opinions. So see what you think. Each week, myself and Joel will discuss a film that is described by many as one of the best films ever made. Do these films deserve the legacy they've been given, or are they just overrated and bloated rubbish? Let's find out, as this week we discuss Jaws. Jaws, the 1975 film directed by Steven Spielberg. First film by Spielberg, I think. Is this the first one we've done? Uh, No, it wasn't Saving Private Ryan Spielberg. You are correct. It is. Second film by Spielberg. Yeah. This was pretty good. I was more impressed than I thought I'd be. Thank you for listening to the House of the Rock podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll see you next week uh, where we're doing Mamma Mia. Always amazing how you get the outro right (laughs) when you're not having to do the outro. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, it, I was I was pleasantly surprised. So, going into this, I thought it was a proper hardcore horror. Yeah, same. Like I I thought we we're in for like, well, I have a bad preconception towards horrors. The that a lot of horrors that I've seen growing up um, have very little plot and are just kind of boring with a bunch of jump scares in it. I think that was very two thousand horror. Um, therefore, these days I don't watch any horrors whatsoever because no. I can't no. tend to find them boring. Yeah, we're on the same track record here. Um, I can't be doing with like jump scary, not creative films. Yeah, they they do my head in. They're just I'm just bored, and then I go Ugh! and then I'm bored again. Uh, doesn't fill my day with delight. So I was expecting this to be super jump scary, not a lot of story whatsoever. So I was pleasantly surprised to find a real story-driven... It's more of an adventure film than a horror. Yeah, you say? a lot a lot more akin to, like, The Goonies than a horror film. Yeah. You've got, like, wacky characters and weird plot lines and stuff like that. Yeah, unexpected. Jaws is often regarded as the first summer blockbuster. Like, it was the highest-grossing film of all time when it was released um and it was only beaten by star wars when that came out two years later but both films are sort of pivotal in establishing sort of the modern hollywood business model we st- that, that is still used today which is sort of high 
box office returns from an action adventure film with a really simple high concept premise like men hunting a shark like it's a really simple premise but they make this big sort of film out of it and there's no more convoluted plots like we've had with 2001 and psycho where you've got multiple different sort of bits it's this simple plot but it's high action at times yeah i would i would say this movie and i might be jumping ahead here but yeah summer blockbuster that's what i'd say this is is perfect i would say summer blockbuster when it came out now it is a perfect sunday sunday afternoon movie yeah, you can imagine it's on TV, you're going to watch it. On the sofa. Yeah. A few of your family around. You just go, oh, yeah, go on, we'll put this on. It's I wouldn't watch it on a Saturday night. No. But it's, yeah, it it laid the groundwork for that sort of level of filmmaking. Yeah, but it is a good Sunday watch. And I think it's just a very accessible watch. It's It's scary... With quotation marks. Yeah, uh, you can almost watch it in the background as well. You can work like, out what's going on within five minutes. Yeah, very easily. You could jump in at any point in this film, and within five minutes, you're fully up to date on the plot. At the same time, it's not boring. No, not so, at all. Really yeah. enjoyed this. Which is uh, a fine line to tread, I think. So, in the New England beach town of Emity Island, a young woman, Chrissy Watkins, goes skinny dipping in the ocean one evening during her beachside party. While she's treading water, an unseen force attacks her and pulls her under the water. The next day, partial remains are found on the shore. After the medical examiner concludes she was a victim of a shark attack, police chief Martin Brody decides to close the beaches. But after Mayor Larry Vaughan persuades him to reconsider. Fearing the town's summer economy will be ruined, the coroner tentatively concurs with the mayor's theory that Chrissy was killed in a boating accident. And Brody reluctantly accepts their conclusion until the shark kills a young boy, Alex Krichner, in front of the crowded beach. Wow. A lot of plot there. A lot of plot in this film, as you said. Yeah, unexpected. Um, I mean, let's let's start with one of the first things, I think. The score. Iconic score by John Williams, I feel. Right, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm Speaking of treading dangerous water. You tread dangerously, because this is my favourite composer, but go on. I, I love a bit, John Williams. However, I was expecting the, the score to be, like, more dramatic at times. I, I feel like the, there's bits of this where there's shark attacks going on the battling sharks uh, and stuff and spoilers and the music's like happy adventure music it was really unexpected of course you've got the mainline theme which is incredible and iconic but a lot of the other movie music in this film uh i i was surprised at they're like getting surrounded by sharks and it's like quite happy music adventure music what do you think yeah, I've never really considered it, but thinking back on it, you're not wrong. Like it's definitely it's a score that is meant to create suspense and let you know that the shark is coming. But yeah, when the sharks attacking, 
it's more upbeat. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It's kind of like adventure. Adventure time. Um, like, I was expecting far more, you know, like the Dark Knight score. Yeah. There's long notes and drawn out and suspense and stuff. I was expecting that sort of thing, especially with the main score and the way it's like... Or even even like the Psycho score. Yeah. Like, hot, I mean, violin-y, screechy would be what you'd... Exactly. That's That's what I was expecting. And instead, I got this kind of like three friends on an adventure kind of score, which the film was, in fairness... Yeah, and, and I think music is a massive part of how a film feels. Uh, and yeah, it's, I don't, this is still classed as an iconic horror film, but it just didn't feel like a horror film to me. Yeah, I would not say this is a horror film whatsoever. But yeah, this this isn't scary. There's a, a moment or two where it's slightly scary, and them or jump scary shock factors but yeah not not at all scary i can see why it makes people feel uncomfortable but it's more just playing off the fear of the sea which a lot of people have anyway i think if you're not afraid of the ski of the sea you won't find this scary a bounty is placed on the shark causing an amateur shark hunter frenzy the eccentric and roughened local professional shark fisherman quint offers his services for ten thousand dollars Meanwhile, consulting oceanographer Matt Hooper examines Chrissy's remains, confirming that an abnormally large shark killed her. When local fishermen catch a tiger shark, the mayor proclaims the beach is safe. Mrs. Kitner, Alex's mother, confronts Brody and blames him for her son's death. Hooper doubts that the tiger shark is responsible for the attacks, and his suspicions are confirmed when no human remains are found inside its stomach after dissection. This film is shot very well. I don't know about you. Yeah. Like, there were filmmaking techniques when I was watching this that instantly... Because this came out in 1976, do you know what I mean? This came out not long after The Godfather, in terms of Hollywood. But the wet, there was like long tracking shots. There were so many long shots where they were like single takes. I couldn't see any cuts. And it was just like characters would go from the outside inside and sort of the position of the camera would change. And it was technically very impressive watching this. Like there's the scene when he, Brody walks onto the ferry and the mayor's car pulls up behind him and then the ferry sets off and he's driving around the bay. And, like, that's all happening there in front of our eyes. And I'm like, that's impressive to see. I mean, I'll have to take your word for it because I don't know a lot about... No, yeah, I suppose. Film. I suppose. It's... But uh, I, I think it was pleasant to watch. Um, I thought didn't, none of the shots stood out to me compared to, like, stuff like mm. like we watched two weeks ago, uh, Dead Poet Society. Uh, loads of the shots stood out to me because they, I mean, they got like beautiful lighting, perfect time of day. The shot where in Depot Society, where you, the uh, where one of the characters riding down the hill and there's like thousands of ducks that take flight and stuff. There wasn't like standout shots like that for me. Um, but at the same time, it all flowed really well. Uh, I 
thought it set the scene really well. Uh, and it, I think it gave me, it gave off tacky summer, tacky summer holiday vibes. But then that's kind of the place. Yeah, that's so exactly that's what this is. Yeah. Um, yeah, just technically, there was a lot of stuff in this film. Like they had split focus at one point, which you probably didn't even notice. No, but there were shots where there's a character in the foreground and they're in focus and you can see deep background. It was usually when they were on the beach and they were looking out to the ocean. Mm. But you could and then you I mean you probably didn't notice it, but there's a blurry line down the middle of the camera where the two lenses morph because you can't hide the fact that one's really shallow focus and one's really deep focus. Technically, for 1976, I am very impressed with this film. And this film pulled off some shots that I don't think films coming out these days could. Really? Could even dream of having. Wow. Well, Spielberg is an iconic director, isn't he? He's an iconic director, and this is very early on in his career. So would, I that, think, yeah. would that be from the director, or would that be from the, the camera guys? Or it's a mix be... of both. It Spielberg would say, I really want to have this foreground and this background mm. in sort of the shot at the same time. And they would work together and the cinematography would, would have gone, well, there is this way of doing it, but it's difficult to pull off. But if you've got the time and the money to sort of commit to it, it's, it's committing to your craft. And it's, it is art and it's a very impressive shot that you probably didn't even notice, which I think says a lot. Yeah, well, it it's almost something you don't want to notice because that means it's doing its job properly, which yeah, focuses exactly. on the story. It's, if it was pulled off wrong, you'd know about it. And yeah. there is a lot of shots in this film that are not pulled off, that are pulled off amazing and don't stand out. Yeah, yeah, no, interesting. It's not something I hugely noticed, but... Yeah, nice to hear about. Um, so a lot of this stuff kind of just moved the plot along. Yeah, a lot of plot heavy, but interesting plot. Eh, yeah. I thought I was... uh, the local fisherman bit and the tiger shark and the 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 fake reveal of the they've caught it. Oh no, they haven't. Um, I liked I... that at no point with the audience in the dark. No, yeah. We knew yeah. from the beginning that this was a shark. Yeah. Um, which made, I think it made it more, I was more invested in the fact that you had the mayor who is he's trying to cover it up and it just made it more interesting to watch because it was like, how are these characters going to deal with it? And then you see people go out in the water and I'm just sort of edge of my seat like, this isn't going to end well. For me, this was a weaker section. Uh, this was kind of. I felt the setup was really nice. We had a setup of the shark. I could have skipped a lot of this bit uh, and got straight to them hunting the shark because I kind of knew where that was going. I really didn't expect this film to be two hours long, by the way. Um, no, I can agree with you that some of this could be cut, but when I try and think back to it, I'm like, what could they cut that doesn't impact the plot later because it is all set up and it is a lot of setup yeah yeah, yeah. but it really makes it when you get because it could just be three men on a boat hunting a shark but yeah, then there's yeah. only so much you can 
do there without the character's backstory that we've seen and sort of the stakes, knowing that this shark has been terrorising this town. Um, And yeah, just frustrating. (laughs) Like, uh, I think it does get you on the edge of your seat knowing that the the shark is in there. A few little nice twists and turns, like the go to the pond because you'll be safe uh, the captain tells his son uh, and it's the least safe place um, <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden you're trapped in the pond with a shark yeah. brilliant um, but yeah a, a lot of this bit a uh, bit, uh, bit uninspiring to me but I, yeah I can I can see it though I can, yeah. I can see where you're coming from and I'm not gonna like begrudge you and pick on you for for feeling that because the second half of this film is by far stronger. The mayor suits, by the way, excellent. The fashion in this film <laughs> is, and this is what's weird about the current fashion in twenty twenty three. Everything's come back at once, mm. and every film I think we've watched so far. There's something in there that is currently back in fashion. Because Hooper, Hooper steps off that boat in his little denim too and his little bobble hat. I know people who dress like I think I saw someone on the street today. Yeah. yeah. Like that. It's very iconic fashion. Hooper, Hooper actually. He'd he'd be right, he'd fit he's into a, Camden. He's a, right. he? he's a stylish. He's supposed fella. to be supposed to be an awkward nerdy guy in this. And it's mad that that fashion for an awkward nerdy guy is now the bee's knees. Could I come up with an older phrase there? So yeah, the fashion, wild. There's some good performances in this, I feel, as well. I like Brody. Played by Richard Dreyfuss. Um, I believe him. Do you know what I mean? I believe him as a character. He's got stakes. I believe him as this town sheriff. And I believe his motivations. I thought the acting was fine, but compared it's not, to... There's nothing stand out. Yeah, it's, nothing stand out. It's, it's all fine. Yeah, there's no bad performance, but there's no, like, standout yeah. Oscar-winning performance. Fine acting, um, the story more than covers for it. Yeah, yeah. Unlike 2001 A Space Odyssey. Which is terrible. No, I'm not bringing it up. I'm not bringing it up, Joel. <laughs> Every episode from now on. Well, every episode since, really. So that night, Hooper and Brody find a half-sunken vessel. Hooper investigates underwater and removes a sizable great white shark's tooth from the boat's hull, but accidentally drops it after discovering the partial corpse of local fisherman Ben Gardner. Didn't appreciate the jump scare? Never appreciate a jump scare? Never. No. And I didn't see it coming, and I'm very annoyed. Yeah, it really got me. It got me as well. And I said some words that I can't say on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> scared me. Didn't appreciate it. Yeah, Vaughn dismisses Brody and Hooper's assertions that a huge great white shark causes the deaths, and refuses to close the beaches, allowing only increased safety precautions. On the fourth of July, tourists pack the beaches. Following a juvenile prank with a fake shark, the real shark enters a nearby lagoon, killing a boater and causing Brody's oldest son, Michael, to go into shock. 
Brody then convinces a guilt-ridden Vaughn to immediately hire Quint. Just going back to that boat bit. He's meant to be some big, what, oceanographer? Is Hooper? Mm. Yeah. He jumps in the water. Do you know what I mean? He's ab- absolutely happy to go down there when he knows that there's a shark on the loose. Uh, he's just laughing about it. Like, I just didn't get that bit. He was just like... I'm not getting Because uh, Brody's I'm like, not. don't get in the water. And he's just like, ha, 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 it's fine. Oh, you're not getting Gets in the water with my little knife. And, like, they went out at night because it hunts at night. It, wild, isn't it? They're like, yeah, it hunts at night. Let's try and find it. And then gets <laughs> in the water with it. I'm like, are you joking? <laughs> what are you I, doing? So I was expecting a... There's quite a few moments in this film. And I was expecting more, actually. I'm glad there wasn't too many. But that bit, when I think the jump scare got me so bad because I was expecting a jump scare from the shark. There was a few instances in this of giant shark uh, who literally makes massive ripples in the water and causes waves. He's so big, somehow can sneak up on you. And well, be super sneaky. I'm happy. I mean, they cover they cover their asses with the lagoon bit mm-hmm. because everyone is distracted by the fake yeah. shark. So I can understand how it can sneak in there. But yeah, there is definitely a few instances. Yeah, it's sort of... But then maybe it's, it's fine. It's fine water. in this one. Uh, and we start the, uh, the, <laughs> the tradition of this film of um, Hooper dropping stuff. Oh, my clumsy boy. Yeah. What are you doing? Very clumsy boy. Also... They find this local fisherman who's dead. Is it mentioned again? No. Not at all. They just leave him, by all, for, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Because, they, because they, they find it and say. they go... Like, Brody, convers- goes, Brody goes, right, let's, let's tow the boat back and investigate it. Uh, sure, basically. And Hooper goes, nah, I want to jump in now and have a look. Yeah, and, and then they never talk okay. about it again. Never talk about it again. I've no idea what goes on, but did the shark kill them? Did he drown? I don't know. Well, and also, like, they say, there's conversations later, and they just talk about the boy who died and, and Chrissy at the start who died. And they don't mention Ben Gardner whatsoever. Interesting. Weird. Is that a continuity error? Don't know. Don't know. It's weird. That I scene mean, could have been... Yeah, well... So then we have the beach scenes, and there's the fake, fake shark prank... Uh, that was like, oh, okay, oh no. I mean, it okay. got me. I thought it was real. <laughs> yeah, I true. thought, oh no. Uh, then, Brody's oldest son, Michael, going into shock. That was a bit weird. Very weird. Never mentioned again. Um, yeah, it goes to hospital for shock. That could have been cut. D- what? I would be absolutely happy if that was cut out. Um, I mean, I get, I probably will go into shock if I had a near-death experience with a shark. However, in the grand scheme of this film all you do if you go into shock is put your put your feet above your head so your blood goes to back into your organs and you're fine uh, interesting. yeah you just calm down hmm. shock Very... is just being really upset it's like a weird plot point but yeah happy that it's i don't know i feel like maybe if they'd have killed the kid it would give brody a bit more motivation hooper and brody set out on quint's boat the orca, to hunt the shark. While Brody lays down a chum line, Quint waits for an opportunity to hook the shark. 
when the shark suddenly appears behind the boat. Quint, estimating that the shark is 25 feet long and weighs 3 tons, harpoons it with a line attached to a flotation barrel. But it pulls the barrel underwater and disappears. So I don't think we talked about Quint yet. But he's a weird fishy bloke, isn't he? Well, they get into it, don't they? A little yeah. bit later on, we get a little bit of backstory about Quinn. But very odd. He's first introduced with literally scratching his nails down a chalkboard. Oh, Yeah. It takes a certain kind of sicko to do that anyway. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> well, but yeah, and also to this... grow those sideburns. It's a trait, though, that I feel has been carried over into a hundreds of films since yeah but sort it's of, like a... there's a problem and then this weird wizened character comes along yeah it's just classic stereotype character now it's it's something that has been parodied and copied so many times it's yeah in in hindsight not as well executed now mm. but this was the original like yeah it's but... it's good I thought he was going to be a throwaway character. He had, he had a bit of a character arc. And... He did. He came back. He's got a really fleshed out backstory. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's brilliant. Hey. So his boat's called the Orca. I, this is a massive citation needed because I haven't Googled this. So is an Orca a killer whale? Killer whale. Yeah. Which they is what? Kill sharks. Uh, kill sharks. Yeah. yeah. Great little Easter egg there. Little, little one. I noticed that. Um, so, harpooning the shark with flotation barrels. Those Clever, barrels aren't I feel. Bi- They're not big enough, though, are they? I think they're big enough for a normal great white, but as they say, how big this shark is. It doesn't really, it doesn't really upset me. Yeah. So, at nightfall, Quint and Hooper drunkenly exchange stories about their sorted scars, and Quint reveals that he survived the attack on the USS Indianapolis... The shark returns unexpectedly, ramming the boat's hull and disabling the power. The men work through the night, repairing the engine. In the morning, Brody attempts to call the Coast Guard, but Quint, who has become obsessed with killing the shark without outside assistance, smashes the radio. After a long chase, Quint harpoons the shark with another barrel. Quint heads towards the shore to draw the shark into shallower waters, but overtaxes the damaged engine as it fails great bit of backstory here yeah i and it really bonded the characters i feel really gave me stakes in them i think we weren't too bonded to hooper yet but great bit of character fleshing out for him as well as quint uh we already liked uh the chief please brody but yeah gave you some stakes didn't it yeah do you do you know anything about the uss indianapolis I do not. Because I, I did a little bit of research. Um, so in the in July 1945, the USS Indianapolis completed a top-secret high-speed trip to deliver uranium and other components for the little boy, the first nuclear weapon ever used in combat. When en route to the Philippines, at quarter past midnight on the 30th of July, the ship was torpedoed by Imperial Japanese Navy submarine and sank in 12 minutes. Of the 1,195 crewmen aboard, approximately 300 went down with the ship and the remaining 890 faced exposure, dehydration, saltwater poisoning and shark attacks. 
So literally, they're stranded in the middle of the ocean with no lifeboats, no food, being picked off one by one by sharks. Wow. And only 316 survived. Jeez. So a real... Maybe at the time this was more well-known in America. Well, it possibly is well-known in America. what a great backstory for a character there. Yeah. He's yeah. watched all his friends being eaten by sharks and he's survived it himself. Yeah, oh it sounds like God. at the time that would be even better backstory. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's the big, the biggest loss of life for the U.S. Navy. Wow, ever. They've, nothing's ever happened, and yeah, it, for like four days they're stranded in the middle of the ocean, just being eaten by sharks. And God, I think that'd mess you right up. Yeah, I like Quint more now knowing that. No, no, and it is, understand it is his character motivations. Because my God, great bit of backstory. He's got to get revenge on them sharks. Get revenge on them sharks. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they don't eat my friends. <laughs> they don't eat my friends. Yeah. Um, so this is where the shark suddenly becomes almost intelligent. It becomes less creature-like, doesn't it? It's more, more of like a slasher killer. Be- yeah comes calculated wow. starts attacking them at different yeah. times and I, d- I don't know how clever great white sharks are yeah i think this actually took me out of it a little bit yeah i, I preferred had... it when it was more animalistic i had to suspend my disbelief a little bit yeah but you've got this shark like dragging the boat the other way so the engine breaks i'm like hmm come on what's going on here yeah, yeah. This bit, this bit, it was, it was fine. But yeah, really, I think in some ways it was dramatic but unengaging. I would call this section. Yeah, and it was quite long. A little bit. I was gonna. You could cut a little bit out of this. Yeah, but then you had to have that. I think you had to have that midsection where they lose the shark and you get the character development. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I think the pacing would be everywhere. So yes, mm. it's long, but I, I'm sort of going to have to deal with that. I think. Mm, fair, 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 fair. And we get the great line, don't we? When we when uh, Brody first sees the shark, you're going to need a bigger boat. Oh yeah, yeah. Parodied, referenced a million times. Completely knew that was coming the moment I saw him saw the shark. So then Quint just has a weird breakdown, doesn't he? Well, I, uh, I mean, I don't think he, he becomes obsessed, doesn't he? It's obsession. Yeah, but They've been but out at sea for how the long? Because he, 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 it's the glory, isn't it? He wants... He no, doesn't destroy I the boat, he destroys the radio. No, but he destroys the radio. But then, like, the boat, if they had just gone slower, they could have made it back to land. I think it's it's that obsession, though, isn't it? He's not thinking yeah. straight. And this is... It's someone who wasn't all there to start with. True, true. Like he, he's not got a crew as far as we can see. It's just yeah. him. So God, how long has he spent out at sea hunting sharks? Like definitely not all there. Yeah. And he has a friend in taxidermy, and as yeah. we know from Psycho, all taxidermy people are weird. Maybe, <laughs> maybe his friend Norman Bates. Yeah. So as the orca slowly sinks. The trio attempts a riskier approach. Hooper enters the water in a shark-proof cage. 
shark-proof-ish cage, intending to lethally inject the shark with a chemical via hypodermic spear. The shark attacks the cage, causing Hooper to drop the spear, which sinks. While the shark thrashes in the tangled remains of the cage, Hooper manages to escape to the seabed. The shark breaks free and leaps onto the boat, subsequently devouring Quint. Trapped on the sinking vessel, Brody shoves a pressurised scuba tank into the shark's mouth, climbs onto the crow's nest. He shoots the tank with Quint's rifle, killing the shark in the resulting explosion. Hooper resurfaces and paddles back to Amity Island with Brody, clinging to the remains of the barrels. This bit was great. Yeah, this, this was some good drama. Very good drama. Like, it's, I mean, as you said, like, shark, sort of shark-proof cage. I think it's a shark-proof cage for a normal-sized shark. And as yeah. they keep saying, like, they were not expecting the shark to be as big as it was. So when it absolutely makes easy work of that cage, doesn't it? And that is like, I thought Hooper was dying again here. I thought Drops it was going to have him. Yeah, well, <laughs> in his defense, if that 25-foot shark's coming at you, I'm probably not going to keep hold of it. True. But true. then could he not just stab it? Yeah. Like it's coming at him. It's Yeah. And I was I was shocked when he escaped it. I really so, was. I thought he was going to die. I really thought Hooper was going to be the hero and he was going to pop out and stab it whilst right at he was the end. attacking Brody. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of disappointed but, that he wasn't, but then yeah, I you see he's him not go the down to the action hero. You see him go down to the seafloor and cower behind a coral reef, don't you? Yeah. And I was going, "Oh, okay, he's going to come back later. He's going to Exactly. Be the, the shark's going to move on to Brody and he's going to jump out and oh, stab him, but he doesn't. He just pops up at the end, like, hello, I'm still here. <laughs> Bit and weird. again, I thought Quint was going to go out in a bigger way, especially with the setup with his machete left next to him it, and I, stuff. I thought he was going to take a big chunk out of him or something. He, he doesn't really. No, it's a quite an anticlimactic death, isn't it? He just sort of slowly slides down the boat into its mouth. Mm. Um and it, I mean, I'll, I will get, why not? Why not? Let's get into this. Good. The shark didn't work. So they, initially the film's producers wanted to train a great white shark. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding? But, but quickly realized this was not possible. This is like early pre-production. They're going, can we train a great white shark to do what we want it to? No, was the answer. So three full-size pneumatically-powered prop sharks, which the film crew nicknamed Bruce, after Spielberg's lawyer, were made for the production. These sharks did not work. Yeah. Um, like, were just not equipped to actually be shot in water because this this film was shot in the ocean. wasn't shot on, like, a soundstage, a pool. They went really? out into the ocean, yeah, and like shot most of this actually in the ocean. It was the first major motion picture to be shot on the ocean. Um, but it just meant like these they weren't equipped for the salt water. They just didn't work. So the mm. the shark was meant to be in the film a lot more. But when it came to shooting and they just weren't working, Spielberg had to think on his feet and 
decided to mostly suggest that the shark's presence was there. So that's Dude, where the score really comes in. Yeah, less is more in that regard less as well. Less is more. For me. And it's, I mean, the reason the shark didn't work is the reason that the film is so good now. Like, yeah. if this shark had appeared more, I don't think this film would have been good. It's the not knowing if it's there or not, I think, that works so well. So maybe these death scenes at the end, this shark was probably going to be a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? More there. Yeah. But I mean, in hindsight, it was, they got what they could take, basically. The shock was pretty poor, but then you can't have too high standards, can you? No. you For 76 as well? Yeah, probably, good job. Probably not quite bloody good. Better than uh, a CGI shark. Better than, 100% better than a CGI shark, because CGI sharks I don't think existed. But there was yeah. a few shots when there was a real shark. Oh, really? And... I don't. No. I, did you not notice it? Especially when the There's some of the would... swimming shots were good. Yeah, really thought, good. Oh, these are good. That's good. It's, it's just shot he... very well, and I think it's because they had to adapt to what the circumstances were. It's just when he flopped himself on deck. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just there, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Once you take a shark out of the ocean, it can't really do a lot, can it? I enjoyed it. I um, liked it. Final... I like. I like that they kept setting up. The air canisters. Yeah. I mean, there was a few reference to them. I I love a bit of foreshadowing. They made you know that they were on the boat. They were clearly there. And then he... I enjoy the final line of, smile, you son of a... Son of a bee. Good explosion as well. Yeah, that was good. Practical filmmaking at its best. I liked the quick cuts as well it's like the one of the first times he used quick cuts at the back and forth back and forth back and forth it was it was I tense wasn't it you just didn't yeah. know what was going on. It was like, oh my god oh my god that that like little final scene had way more drama than the rest of the films so, yeah this is what it was all building towards wasn't it yeah you, you got close to it with the beach scene with that mm. absolute just madness that was going on but yeah this was close to perfect i'd say but then Hooper and just pops up and then they swim off. I was expecting some like it, the film just ends. I think there's too much middle of film and not enough end. It, to me, it felt like the end was just tacked on. Yeah, like it was shot at a different time. Like it was like we just, almost we they never went shot back to the town. Hooper, but like that weird shot of Hooper going down to the seabed felt a little bit tacked on. Yeah. Like they initially wanted him to die, and then I decided don't know, against and, it, and decided against it. So they shot that, and then they shot this weird bit with him literally just floating over to him, like hello, because Brody like, didn't know he was alive. I think I would have preferred a bit more ending, uh, and a little I'm, bit of a sum up, maybe. Yeah, bit of five minutes in back in town. Yeah, uh, get rid of some of the the filler in the middle. Maybe, maybe they. Joel are answered in the sequels. Yeah, true. This had three sequels. Spielberg Did it? Was, yeah, three sequels. Spielberg was not involved with any of them. <laughs> well, I bet but, they're not yeah, right up uh, I imagine they are <laughs> of varying <laughs> quality. Heavy sarcasm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's funny, they're not on this list of films to watch. <laughs> Somehow, The Shark Returned. <laughs> It's twice as big and it's got lasers this time. Oh my um, God, scores on the doors. What's your overall th- feelings? It's your turn to go first this time, I think. I liked it. Yeah. 
I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. I think it took too long to flesh characters out. Yeah. Gut Instinct, 7 out of 10. I think it's Ooh. a perfectly average film. 7 out of 10, that's good. That's solid, good film. I really liked Score. the way it was shot. There was some really good... Yeah, you might be doing it for cinematography then. Yeah, it's as an overall picture, do you know what I mean? Like, And the plot was good. I was involved, especially that final act was very good. Yes, stuff could have been cut out, mm-hmm. which is what brings it down. And some of the performances weren't great, which brings it down. But I, yeah, seven. I would say this is a, a pretty good, all right film. Of the time, it could have been amazing. But it's, it's not very deep, uh, but that plays into its favor almost. I would, I would not just watch this film. If it was on on a Sunday, I'd sit on the sofa and watch it. It's it's a uh, film you wouldn't so choose think... to watch, but it's a film you wouldn't turn off. Exactly. And I think that sounds to me exactly like a 5.5. Oh, wow. Okay. It's, a, it's an all right. It's a good all right film. Yeah. Good no, all right. I can, I can see how I can fully see your point of view. And I, I would probably agree with you, but I think there was some some production sort of filmmaking techniques in there that really blew me away. Yeah, and well, I was of course, really like, that impressed wouldn't, with. Wouldn't impress me so much. Mm. Make it me enjoy it. Make it very watchable. I think for me, who like, well, you probably got the sense over the podcast as well that I like a character drama. This isn't that. Uh, it, the, I would say the third act is. Yeah, and maybe the whole loosely. film was that, but. Mm. I don't know. It had some weak points for me. It had definitely had points where I'd go walk off and make a coffee uh, and come back to it. And I think it's a film where you can pick it up at any point and carry on watching. Yeah. Uh, wasn't that deep, but that's fine. Uh, yeah, good Sunday watch. Nice. 5.5. So this won three Academy Awards for Ooh. Best Film Editing Best Original Dramatic Score and Best Sound. Go on, John Williams. Yeah, I think it was edited well. I think some of the score was good, especially the dramatic parts, as we discussed. Yeah, yeah. Um, Main theme. Wow. Some of the sound sound was great, yeah. Yeah. I'm absolutely happy with that. And in 2001, the Library of Congress selected it for preservation in the United States National Film Registry. I can see why. I can see why. I it's, think if if we were back then, I would rate it quite highly. Yeah, I think I think just hindsight and films you've seen since have maybe. Well, films you know I mean? because it was on. such because yeah because it was such a groundbreaking film. It's meant that films since have improved on these techniques. Hey, Joel. Yeah. What are we watching next week? Next week we're watching Fight Club. Fight Club. Dun, dun, dun. And I guess that only leaves you with the outro. It does. Outro. 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 Bye. I would say you could do that better, but no, that was perfect. <laughs> Perfectly shocking. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the 1001 Movies We Have Not Seen podcast. If you could like this episode, it would really help us out. Do you have a suggestion for a film you think we should watch? Why not leave us a comment letting us know? You can also follow us on Insta at 1001 Movies Not Seen Pod. Or drop us an email at 1001 Movies Not Seen at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs> I bumped my chair on my way back. Think, I don't even think that was the theme. You <laughs> <laughs> just said outro, man. <laughs> was there no sounds? I went back. I went to the back of the room. No, I heard it. It just wasn't to the theme music <laughs> you were going for. Oh, I'm a musician. Outro. 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 Goodness me. I'm stopping recording. <laughs> there we go.